Welcome to the Disney Beat, a podcast brought to you by the DizInsider.com. My name is Sean Nyberg, and I will be covering all of the Disney headlines to keep you informed as you start your week. Hello there, this is Sean Nyberg, and this podcast is being recorded on the evening of Sunday, February 7th, 2021. All right, let's dive into the news. We need to start with some sad news. On Friday, we learned that actor Christopher Plummer passed away at the age of 91. Plummer is best known for his work as Captain Von Trapp in 1965's The Sound of Music. Plummer's career spanned seven decades and included work on Disney's 2004's National Treasure and 2009's Disney Pixar hit Up, where he voiced the villain Charles Muntz. The Oscar-winning actor is survived by his wife, Elaine, and his daughter, Amanda Plummer. No cause of death has been confirmed. Changing gears now, let's look at the Disney parks. While there was not a lot of park news this week, we did learn about an interesting bill working its way into the California State Legislature. Democratic Assemblyperson Sharon Quirk Silva and Buena from Buena Park and Republican Assemblyperson Suzette Valadares from Santa Clarita have co-sponsored a bill that would allow large theme parks in California to reopen once their home county is in the orange tier three level, rather than the current requirement that their home county enter the high bar established for the yellow tier four level. Back in fall, when numbers were surging to dangerous levels in California, Governor Gavin Newsom released guidelines that required large theme parks, which include Disneyland, along with Universal Studios Hollywood, Knott's Berry Farm, and Legoland, remain closed until their home county moves into the Tier 4 yellow level. The requirements for a county to reach this level are incredibly high and would likely mean these parks would not reopen until late summer 2021 or even into the fall, and that's assuming vaccination efforts continue to improve. As new COVID-19 cases and hospitalizations are starting to free fall, many lawmakers are starting to see some light at the end of the tunnel, and they are re-examining their safety guidelines. While falling numbers and increased availability of vaccines is welcome news for COVID-exhausted public, uh, new variants of COVID-19 that are easier to contract are starting to pop up around the country. So this puts the country in a race between vaccine distribution and variant spread. There's no word yet if this new legislation has wide support among California lawmakers, but we will be watching this very closely. So that could be very good news um, if you want the parks to open. You know, obviously, with people who have concerns about public safety, it's a little concerning. So we'll see. Also, it's unclear if this um, were to be passed by the legislature um, and if Newsom would feel the need to veto it. And then what the exact requirements and the length and stuff it would take for a v, uh, the legislature to override a veto if they even had the support. So... This is, um, you know, it's noteworthy just because there's not a lot coming out of the whole Disneyland resort. But, um, you know, there's it's, the, this isn't happening tomorrow. So we'll keep an eye on it, though. We'll keep you updated. You know, I have a history. I have, my background in education is in politics, and I have my law degree from Gonzaga Law School. So, you know, this is like right in my wheelhouse. I got Disneyland, Disney parks, law. Uh, um, uh, and politics. It's like everything that I love right now. So we'll be watching this closely at the Disney Insider. So check that out in here on the Disney Beat. 
Um, and the other thing um, about the parks that you guys, if you listen to this, it comes out Monday, um, February 8th, or anytime this week, just know that on February 8th, Disney California Adventure is celebrating 20 years. It's 20 years old. It's very crazy to think because, you know, I still think of it as a new park. It is the newest uh, Disney domestic park. Um, <laughs> you know, while the other parks have grown a lot, Disney Hollywood Studios in Florida, Animal Kingdom with Pandora, and a bunch of, you know, like uh, Expedition Everest, all this stuff came in the 2000s. Um, technically, in terms of opening, Disney California Adventure is the newest park, so it's still kind of the baby, even though it's 20 years old. But, you know, it would be also understood if you did, didn't did think of it as that old, because, you know, they call it DCA, D Disney California Adventure, DCA 1.0, the park that opened is really nothing compared to what the park looks like now, right? So the obvious stuff, There's there was no um, Cars Land, there was no, um, well, it's now Guardians of the Galaxy Tower, um, but it was Tower of Terror for a while. No, that wasn't there when it opened. Um, the, there's no Pixar Pier. I mean, there's the pier, but the roller coaster was California Screaming. There was no Toy Story Midway Mania. There was um, the, the Little Mermaid Dark Ride. That wasn't there. Um, where Monsters, Inc. ride is now. That used to be Superstar Limo, which is... Um, pretty much universally understood as the worst ride Disney has ever created. Um, but that was there on opening day. Um, so really what <laughs> most of the stuff that people really love about Disney California adventure wasn't there when it opened. So like, I'm just saying that it could be understood if you think of it as new, because some of the stuff that you love about it is re relatively new, but, um, you know, there was grizzly river run and you know, the same, um, the Incredicoaster, which was California Screaming. It's the same layout, you know, it's the same ride. It's different. The music's different. The setup's different. The theming's different. The lighting's different. But, you know, it was the same ride. The um, the Ferris wheel, which many of you guys think is the scariest ride in Disney because it's terrifying. Um, you know, it was, it was the sun wheel back then. Um, so there were some. Oh, and Soren. You know, Soren was a big, big bright spot on opening day. And so was, um, you know, the Grizzly River Run, if you like water rides big bright spot. So, you know, it all, it wasn't all bad, um, but it definitely has grown. And, um, but yeah, the, the actual park is 20 years old. It's pretty crazy. And it's really sad though, that we can't, you know, be there to celebrate. But the one thing that, um, Disney California adventure did do is it allowed, not allowed, but they sold alcohol at the park. Now I know that, um, Disneyland, you know, they sold it at in Club 33. It's their exclusive club that they have in New Orleans Square. So, you know, they technically did sell booze, but really they didn't sell booze in Disneyland. Just like they, you know, they really don't sell booze in Magic Kingdom in Disney World, Walt Disney World. So, um, but what Disney California Adventure did is that they sold alcohol. So it, it probably makes more sense that it'll be, that we'll be able to celebrate its 21st birthday because, you know, it's kind of the, uh, it's the older, um, the older crowd, kind of the more party park, right? Disneyland's classic and DCA is more like the party park where you see people walking around with cocktails, um, you know, mixed drinks and stuff. And, um, a little bit more of a party crowd. So anyway, I'm just trying to make this sound, uh, just trying to not be so depressed that we can't be at Disney California adventure to celebrate 20 years, but we'll probably be there. God willing on the 20 for the 21st birthday in one year. So happy birthday, DCA. We love you. You were a little bit of a mess when you first started, but you've become one of my favorite parks and, um, just love it. And, uh, can't wait to celebrate soon. Hopefully. <laughs> 
Uh, moving away from the parks now, it's being reported that Black Panther director Ryan Coogler has signed a five-year deal with the Walt Disney Company through its production company, Proximity Media. Coogler will be developing a slew of new live-action series for Disney+, Plus, with the first one being a drama based on the Kingdom of Wakanda. The deal does not limit Coogler to projects stemming from Black Panther, and we are expecting a wide variety of programs to come from this partnership. Coogler is currently working on Black Panther 2, which he wrote and has returned to direct. And that itself is its own story, and, you know, we've talked about it before. We'll talk about it, obviously, when it when it moves further in production and gets ready to release. But, you know, Coogler wrote the whole story, you know, with the, with the Black Panther character. Um, and this is before Chadwick Boseman's terribly sad, t- untimely death earlier um, in 2020. So, you know, he's had to rewrite the whole story and they had to make some big decisions about what they were going to do with the Black Panther character um, because, you know, the character was very much alive at the end of the last film. um, But Chadwick Boseman's portrayal of him was so, you know, just so uh, amazing. And and he was so um, tied to Chadwick Boseman, Black Panther was. And they just decided not to um, hire a new actor into the role and that the the upcoming sequels would not... um, would have to go a different route in terms of their story. So he's had to basically rewrite, he's had to write a whole nother Black Panther 2 since then. So um, it's just great though that they, they've got him on and that there's going to be these new live action programs um, that Ryan Coogler is going to do. And the first one is going to be around Wakanda, which, you know, people love that story. People love all the characters in that world. And it's just very exciting. So we'll be following that. Since everyone's talking about the absolutely phenomenal, speaking of Disney Plus, since everybody's talking about the absolutely phenomenal WandaVision on Disney Plus, it's easy to forget that the Falcon and the Winter Soldier premieres two weeks after WandaVision's finale. Last December, we got the first trailer for the series, and this last week we got some new looks at the title characters, as well as brand new looks at John Walker and Baron Zemo. These images are up at thedisinsider.com, so go check them out. The Falcon and the Winter Soldier debuts on Disney Plus on March 19th. Pre-production is underway for Disney's long-awaited Enchanted sequel titled Disenchanted. The studio recently put out a casting call for dancers for the upcoming sequel. The studio is seeking technically trained dancers to play various characters ranging in ages of 16 to 60. All ethnicities, shapes, and sizes are encouraged to apply. There will be elements of ballet, waltz, and jazz, and strong tap dancing skills are a plus. The film will be shooting in Ireland with rehearsals set to take place between March and May of this year. Visit thedisinsider.com to see the official announcement from Walt Disney Studios. All right, dancers. You know, you know when I said earlier that I have my background, um, politics, law, obviously my passion, Disney. I taught dance and I was in, and I, I was in the dancing community world for like 10 years. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I am not going to be applying for the, for the, for one of these jobs, but, um, even though it seemed pretty great that it's, you know, all ages, all sizes, all ethnicities, all everything, but, um, yeah, no, but, uh, I really hope you guys do. And I really hope you go check out the Disney Insider to, to see the announcement so you can see how and where to apply. In an announcement that reverberated through the Disney fandom for days, it was announced that Rogers and Hammerstein's Cinderella will begin streaming exclusively on Disney Plus on February 12th. The beloved televised movie musical stars Brandy in the title role in Whitney Houston as the fairy godmother, alongside Whoopi Goldberg, Victor Garber, Bernadette Peters, and Jason Alexander. The film originally premiered on November 2nd, 1997 to, now get this guys, 
it premiered to 60 million viewers during the wonderful world of Disney on ABC. An, 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 astronom an astronomic, wow, astronomically, there we go, guys, let's try that again, an astronomically high number of viewers, the likes of which you would never see today. That is an incredible amount of, like, if you had a show nowadays, I mean, I'm, I'm recording this Sunday evening with the Super Bowl, you know, Super Bowl Sunday and stuff. I mean, I don't even think the Super Bowl gets anywhere near those numbers nowadays. And that's, you know, the Super Bowl is the Super Bowl of ratings. But like 60 million viewers for, for a TV movie. It's incredible to think about that. It's never going to happen again just with streaming and the way we do it now. But um, they did. They, they, they sure tuned in back in 1997. It is a huge film. It got a lot of Emmy nominations. People love it. And they just announced that it's going to be released on February 12th. So that makes... Um, well, that made when it came out this last week, a lot of people happy. And I'm sure some of you hearing it now are very excited. It was revealed this week that Aloha Rodeo, the best-selling history book by David Woolman and Julian Smith is to be adapted as a live action film for Disney plus the true story follows three Hawaiian cowboys as they travel from Hawaii to Wyoming in the early 20th century to compete in the frontier days rodeo. The original book has won many awards, including an NPR Best Book of the Year, an Oregon Book Award winner, and was a finalist in the Pacific Northwest Book Awards. There is no announced production or release dates. Marvel Studios is full steam ahead and uh, with multiple projects in production, including Thor, Love and Thunder, uh, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, and Spider-Man 3. Now you can add Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, to that list. Turkey's Minister of Culture and Tourism let slip on Turkish TV that filming has begun on the next chapter in the Ant-Man franchise. In Turkey, <laughs> it is un he didn't just like get this scoop and drop it on Turkish TV. It was because the filming was happening in Turkey. Um, it is unknown if the filming is just location shots, you know, how as they'll do, um, they just film locations with no actors, or if the cast um, of the film is involved. Production was expected to begin in a few months, but things could have changed. Ant Man and the Wasp Quantumania is expected to hit theaters in 2022. As always, new cast and crew announcements were revealed this week for upcoming projects. Production is underway on the upcoming Disney Plus Rogue One prequel series, Andor. Toby Haynes, known for Black Mirror, is already set to direct a number of episodes. We learned that joining Mr. Haynes as a director of some of these series will be veteran directors Ben Karen known for his work on The Crown, a very popular series, and Susanna White, known for her work on The Nanny McPhee Returns. Don Cheadle revealed that he will appear in the upcoming Disney Plus Marvel series, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, as James Rhodes, a.k.a. War Machine. We learned back in December that Cheadle's character would get his own series titled Armor Wars, but it now appears we will be seeing Rhodes sooner than that. It has been over a year since Marvel president Kevin Feige has said anything about an upcoming Blade project. While the project was never in doubt, the lack of information was noticeable. Well, that changed as we learned this last week that Watchmen and Pen15 writer Stacey Osei-Kufour has signed on to write the upcoming reboot. 
The project is reportedly titled Blade the Vampire Slayer, and it will take place in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Oseku 4 becomes the first black writer to write a Marvel Studios project. Last year, Nia DaCosta became the studio's first black female director after she signed on to Captain Marvel 2. Marvel is currently searching for a director for the upcoming Blade project. It was, re it was revealed that a pilot for a new comedy entitled Punk Ass Bitch has been greenlit at Hulu. Now, I said that with quotation marks, like if you were to say like Shit's Creek, Punk Ass Bitch. So it's part of a title. So it's not me being, you know, using um, a profanity obligatorily. Obligatorily? Yeah, that's right. So anyway, um, it, it's a new series. Is It's set to star up and coming comedian Chris Estrada and will be produced by Saturday Night Live alum uh, Fred Armisen, as well as blackish Jonathan Groff, not to be confused with the actor who starred in Frozen and Hamilton. The half hour series, primarily inspired by Estrada's experience as a Latino in South Central Los Angeles, will follow a man named Julio Lopez, played by Estrada. The series is currently casting for the pilot. Disney's Searchlight Pictures and Hulu have picked up a documentary, Summer of Soul, or When the Revolution Could Not Be Televised, from Questlove, who is making his directorial debut. This feature documentary film explores the legendary 1969 Harlem Cultural Festival, which celebrated African-American music and culture, and promoted black pride and unity. The Harlem Cultural Festival took place the same summer as the famed Woodstock Festival, and boasted an attendance on par with that concert 100 miles away. Over 300,000 people attended, yet it received virtually no coverage from the mainstream media. The 40 hours of never-seen-before uh, footage has remained in storage for the last 50 years, keeping this incredible event in America's history lost. Until now. For the third year in a row, the Walt Disney Company lands at number four on Fortune's annual list of world's most admired companies, behind Apple Amazon and Microsoft, and for the 18th, 18th year in a row, so if you're keeping score, that would have been two years after Disney California Adventure opened. So for the 18th year in a row, the Walt Disney Company held the number one spot as the world's most admired company for the entertainment industry. The list is compiled from an annual survey of corporate uh, of corporate reputation, and the list of companies is winnowed down and voted on by business leaders and industry representatives. According to Fortune, the companies are not ranked simply on their success, but on how and where they succeed. Disney received top marks in a significant number of areas, including the quality of its products and services, global competitiveness, people management, social responsibility, and long-term investment value. You know, um, <clears throat> before... So a little over 18 years ago, um, Disney CEO is uh, Michael Eisner, right? And he did a lot for Disney. I mean, obviously he was CEO since the early eighties until, you know, early two thousands, the early aughts, they call it the early aughts, two thousands. And, um, you know, he, he did a lot early on, but the last 10 years or more, really, there was this really big, um, you know, people just, well, there was the issues with, you know, Disneyland, which is now called Disneyland Paris, and it's now a real successful park. But, you know, back then it was Euro Disney, and that was a failure of, um, in the beginning, and that caused a lot of other projects to be shut down or really tailored, like, you know, budgets cut back. 
Um, and then even just, you know, within within the um, entertainment industry, you know, Eisner really messed up a lot of relationships for Disney with other companies, including Pixar. You know, Pixar wasn't originally a Disney company. And, you know, it was started, uh, well, it was really helmed by Steve Jobs of Apple. And, you know, they kind of had this agreement in the early days of Pixar with Toy Story, where they'd split profits and all this stuff. And, you know, that whole um, a relationship, you know, Michael Eisner just put it in the trash, you know, and, and Steve Jobs hated Michael Eisner. It was very well known, very public, you know, and, and, you know, um, Michael Eisner had a big falling out with Jeffrey Katzenberg, who started DreamWorks and just all these other, um, you know, big name, um, entertainment and, and business leaders. Okay. So when Michael Eisner, basically, I mean, he did, you know, he stepped down, but he was basically forced out and Bob Iger, Bob Iger took over, um, and he has been the Disney CEO and since, um, early two thousands until just last year. Um, and that's an, and Bob Iger is just loved everyone. It seems in the business community entertainment world, love Bob loves Bob Iger. He's very nice. Apparently. I mean, this is just everything I've read. Granted, some of it was his own book, but you know, he, he won, I think last year, time magazine called him businessman of the year. Um, he just well respected and well loved. He reformed that relationship with Pixar and ended up um, buying Pixar from from Apple from from Steve Jobs. Um, you know he was the one who who led the purchase of Lucas Films for Disney. That's why they own all the Star Wars and, and Indiana Jones and Willow and all that stuff. Um, they also purchased Marvel. The Marvel, you know, every Marvel, <laughs> you know, so that, you know, they own all the Iron Man, the, and they, they did the Avengers movies. And, you know, that's their biggest project product right now is, is, is Marvel. And, you know, they really, he's done just amazing stuff for the company. I mean, if you look at the stock price in the last 20 years, it's been incredible. So, um, you know, I think that's just amazing how much, you know, like a CEO is not just, you know, good for the business, you know, who, who needs to know how to, you know, manage one of the largest companies in the world, one of the largest entertainment companies in the world by far. Um, but also someone who, who is, who people enjoy to be around, right? People who, who respect, who enjoy their company, who can, um, have a discussion and know that it's going to stay private. It's not going to get leaked to the press and, um, and who's a man of their word. And, you know, really Bob Iger has been that there's really no, you know, Disney fans of course are going to dump on him. And just like they, they also dump on current CEO, Bob Chapek, um, just cause, you know, it's like anything, right? You know, if, if, if you're a fan of a football team, uh, you're going to be the most critical of the football team, you know? And I think that's really the way it is for Disney. So Disney fans are always going to have something to, they're going to gripe about in terms of the uh, uh, CEO or the executive leadership. But um, just this just shows 18 years voted the number one um, most respected, uh, most admired company in the entertainment industry. She says, says a lot. And so... Um, you know, it's just really cool. It's really cool to be a fan, really cool to, to work at a news site and, and run a podcast that uh, covers such an admired company. And I totally can see why. So we are entering awards season and many of Disney's most popular movies, series and specials between Disney Plus, Hulu and Disney's theatrical releases are racking up nominations left and right. Last week, the Golden Globe nominations were announced and Disney received several nods, including Best Motion Picture Drama for Disney Searchlight's picture Nomadland. Nomadland. It's getting a lot of nominations in a lot of these award shows. Best performance by an actress in a motion picture drama for Andra Day in the United States versus Billie Holiday and Frances McDermott in Nomadland. Disney Plus's Hamilton and Hulu's Palm Springs was nominated for Best Motion Picture, Musical or Comedy. 
Best Performance by an Actor in a Motion Picture, Musical, or Comedy saw nominations for Lin-Manuel Miranda in Hamilton, Andy Samberg in Palm Springs, and Dev Patel in The Personal History of David Copperfield. The Disney Pixar films Onward and Soul both got nominated for Best Motion Picture, Animated. Chloe Zhao was nominated for Best Screenplay and Best Director for Nomadland. Trent Reznor, Atticus Ross, and John John Batiste got nominated for Best Score for Soul. And the song Tigress and Tweed was nominated for Best Song from the United States versus Billie Holiday. Over in the television category, The Mandalorian received a nomination for Best Television Series Drama, and Hulu's The Great was nominated for Best Television Series, Musical, or Comedy. All in all, Disney's projects received 22 Golden Globe nominations. Uh, there was more that were they were nominated for. I didn't just want to list all of them, so um, that wasn't the extent of all the Golden Globe nominations. But in all, they, they got 22 of them. The ceremony will be held on February 28th in, on NBC, hosted by Tina Fey and Amy Poehler. Disney also snagged nine Screen Actors Guild Award nominations, with nominations going to acting in the projects Nomadland, The Great, Rami, Hamilton, Mrs. America, The Good Lord Bird, and stunt ensemble work in Mulan and The Mandalorian. The Screen Actors Guild Awards will be presented on April 4th on TNT and TBS. To wrap up, I want to remind everyone that we are conducting a six-week-long bracket-style tournament over at thedisinsider.com. We are calling it the Ultimate Disneyland Resort Tournament of Rides. It is a six-round bracket-style tournament to decide the best ride at Disneyland and Disney California Adventure. Happy birthday. In Anaheim, California. So far, we have recorded over 158,000 votes, and the round four winners have been announced on a special The Disney Beat podcast released two days ago along with the list of the winners at thedisinsider.com. Round 5 of the tournament will take place this week with matchups and voting available at thedisinsider.com, my Twitter handle, at Sean Nyberg, the website's Twitter handle, at thedisinsider, and the Facebook and Instagram pages, The Disinsider. Come let your voices be heard and see the results. Also, please visit thedisinsider.com to see a number of features that were not discussed on this show, including new photos from the set of Thor Love and Thunder, how Frozen helped solve a cold case, and the long-running feature, 20 Weeks of Disney Animation, which dives, this last week, it dives into the films Brother Bear, Home on the Range, and Chicken Little. So go check those out on the website. On behalf of myself and those of us here at the Disney Beat, along with the Disney Insider, we wish everyone good health and prosperity. With that, I want to say thank you for listening. If you like the show, please rate and review it wherever you listen. These ratings really help the show find new listeners, and we hope we have earned a five-star review. We also ask that you share this podcast with friends and family who love Disney. All stories can be found at thedisinsider.com. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the Insider, or on Facebook by searching the Disney Insider. You can follow me, Sean Nyberg, on Twitter, Facebook, Facebook and Instagram at Sean Nyberg, all one word. I also co-host the Disney podcast, Walt's Apartment, that comes out every Thursday, and the Disney Parks themed podcast, Extra Magic Hour, which is released every Friday. So check those out. Thank you again for listening, and I will see you here again next week for another edition of the Disney Beat Podcast. My name is Sean Nyberg. Happy birthday, Disney California Adventure, and have a fantastic week. Disney.